Welcome to another episode of Should You Take That Case with your host, Lisa Wade, your friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant, owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, and creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. The goal of our show is to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medical cases by sharing their experience and insights as defense or as plaintiff attorneys. You can catch prior episodes at www.wadenurseconsultants.com slash blog on LinkedIn and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Now here's the host of Should You Take That Case, Lisa Wade. Hey, yes, here I am. It's me. Welcome to another Medical Record Monday and a brand new episode of Should You Take That Case? It's me, your host, Lisa Wade, legal nurse consultant, medical record expert, and owner of Wade Nurse Consultants. Think of us when you have those tons and tons of medical records you need translated into normal human language. Now, I'm also the creator of the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is our private attorney group in LinkedIn. That's where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. That's where they come from. And we use this as an opportunity to get to know one another. And we are doing that today with Adam Roth. But before Adam comes out, let us scoot on over to the chat and the comments and see if anybody is visiting us live today. Please, if you are an attorney, put an A into that chat. If you are a P, a paralegal, put a P, a legal assistant, put an L. But if you are part of a wonderful group that is near and dear to me, Women Owned Law, put a W inside of that chat so we can see you and say hello because Women Owned Law is a wonderful groundbreaking group created to connect and advance women legal entrepreneurs. So visit us at womenownedlaw.org if that sounds like an interesting group to you. We'd love to have you. And now I want to thank everybody for taking precious time out of their very busy days to be with us live or on the replay. We appreciate it. And now it is time to introduce our guest, Adam Roth. Adam Roth is a civil rights and personal injury trial lawyer based in New York City. He has numerous he has taken numerous seven-figure verdicts and is known for his meticulous attention to detail, especially when it comes to reviewing medical records. And now I bring to you Adam Roth. Yeah! Yeah, yeah! yeah. Have some applause just for that. <laughs> Thank you for being with us, Adam. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm glad I finally was able to, you know, get on this show. I've been a big fan for a while. Oh, oh I love to hear that. That's wonderful. Well, now we're going to dive into medical records, and I know you have a lot to say about that. But before we do, 
we want to hear more about you. How did you get into this gig? How did you get to be a lawyer and go as far back as you like to the crib or any interesting stories that you that's come along the way? We want to hear all about you. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, look, when I came out, I think my first spoken word was objection. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, it was respectfully, Your Honor. But um, seriously, though, I mean, I think I always had sort of a passion for law. I think that, you know, growing up, certainly, I, I think uh, I had a couple uh interactions with the legal system, and I quickly realized that it would be uh, better to be a lawyer than be a participant in the system. Hmm. Um, and from that point on, I really buckled down and studied hard and, uh, you know, managed to uh, get a, get into law school. And once I got into law school, I was able to just barely scrape by and pass the bar and, you know, graduated in 08. And 08 was a tough time for lawyers. It was a tough time for everyone, but in the legal industry specifically, it was hard. I think I applied to 300 jobs. I got two interviews, um, but I got offers of both of them. So whenever I got my foot in the door, people liked me. And the offers were a negligence firm downtown or a um, a 50 lawyer insurance defense. And I, you know, I talked to both, you know, both people, and I really thought it through. And I decided uh, I'd rather help people than help insurance companies. And the rest is sort of history. Oh boy! Well, that is an interesting journey to say the least. <laughs> We're glad you're on this side of the law. <laughs> Me too. Me too, Lisa. All right. Well, now tell us a little bit about uh, how you get your cases. How do you decide if a case is a, a good case to take or something maybe you should pass on to a, another attorney, refer out, or if it's not a case at all? How do you figure all of that out? Sure. So, I mean, the best place to start, as with most things in law, is with the medical record. Um, if, you know, obviously I get some calls where, you know, pretty quick, you know, into the phone call, it's not a case. You know, I had a guy who, uh, who had ordered some, um, gas masks for his, uh, for his nuclear fallout shelter. And in addition to the gas mask, he also got a radiation detector and he scanned all the stuff in his, uh, fallout shelter that was fine. But when he scanned the gas mask, the radiation detector went off and he wanted to sue the gas mask company. For um, yeah, for the uh, for the radiation being emitted by the gas by the gas mask. Mm. Um, fortunately, I asked if there were any medical records, and he said he didn't have any injuries. So I knew right there that wasn't a case to take. But um, most cases aren't so obvious. You know, typically, you know, your, your typical cases are going to be car accidents or trip and falls or slip and falls, or you know, also occasionally nursing home ne negligence and abuse and neglect. They're also mm. medical malpractice. And all of those cases, the first place that starts with the medical records, right? Obviously, if there's a police report, I get the police report. But after that, people tend to tell their doctors the truth and their nurses the truth. And if they go to the hospital with a broken leg and the nurse, the triage nurse says, tell me what happened, usually they're going to tell them what happened. And sometimes it's I tripped and fell over a sidewalk and sometimes they were out doing something they shouldn't have been doing or they, you know, went bungee jumping and broke their leg or they were out drinking and fell. And you find out a lot from the medical records. And, you know, the stories people tell the lawyers after a month, they're not always the story they told their doctors right, you know, right away. You know, sometimes there's an explanation and sometimes there's not. But overwhelmingly, the first thing I do as soon as I hear about a case, if 
you know, it's not something like a guy wanting to sue the gas mask manufacturer for radiation. I get those medical records because, like I said, the truth is uh, recorded for posterity. So it's important to get that posterity, find out the truth is before you get yourself in. It's like they say, it's uh, easy to start a war. It's hard to get yourself out. I get that micro that that the radiation uh, gas mask reminds me of my father-in-law and the in the microwave. So you know he was uh yeah in the eighties very very anxious eighties and nineties very anxious about the microwave. So he couldn't have brought his case to you, I don't think. Well, so, what what about was he was he a popcorn guy or he just didn't do the popcorn? Uh, no. <laughs> Actually, it was popcorn too, but he stopped using the microwave altogether for fear of radiation. Okay. And he had no medical records, so. Okay, there we go. Bam. He couldn't have come to you. All right. All right. Now, moving on. Now, you're a medical records guy, and when all of those records start pouring in, is there a specific protocol or a way that you approach them to get all the wonderfully juicy details out of them that you need for your case? So to answer that question, I mean, I'd say sometimes I get a medical record for facts about how an accident happened or incident happened. Other times I'm looking at the medical records for information, right? So like if you have a case where somebody gets in a car accident, they go to the hospital they have complaints of neck or back pain and they go to physical therapy and they go to a chiropractor and they go to an acupuncturist and they go to get an MRI and they go to an orthopedist. I want to see what everyone's saying, right? Like, I mean, the first thing is, is that it's not just how the accident happened. I got the police report. I can see how the accident happened, but look, are these people getting better? Is there some objective? I mean, because in New York, we got a threshold injury law. So you need to know if they're in a car accident, if they suffered a serious injury. So what I need to look through is I need to look at the MRIs. I need to look at, you know, and when I say the MRIs, mostly the reports. But, you know, then I look at the orthopedic records and I look at the PT records. Are there objective limitations in the range of motion? Is there an objective injury that's causing those limitations? Is a doctor saying, look, I believe to my opinion that this is caused by this accident? Because if those things aren't there, then that's a case maybe you shouldn't be taking. You know, and it's like I say, if you do that work up front in the first, you know, month, month and a half after an accident, you're going to know if it's a case you want to take, right? So those records come in. My my office's standard procedures, we request the records, we follow up. When they come in, we scan them into our system, then we review them. We review them and we review them because, look, sometimes people get hurt legitimately. It's a legitimate way they got hurt. And then, you know, they're on uh, hooped up on goofballs while they're in the hospital and they say... Things they probably shouldn't say. It doesn't mean you don't take the case, but when you, you're preparing them for a deposition, you say, look, you should know what you said in this medical record. And they say, I can't believe that's in my medical record. I said, you remember telling your nurse? They say, well, maybe. I say, but look, the nurses, the ones that spend hours and hours and hours with you making sure you get better, the ones that tell the doctors everything that goes in their notes, they make sure they put down what you tell them. I had one case where a woman very seriously injured. It's really a sad, sad story. But she had talked to me while she was in the hospital. And I guess she was on a drip at that point. And we talked. And her roommate said, oh, did the lawyer say you got a case? And apparently, in the presence of the nurse said, he said there were great damages. <laughs> and it's in there. Oh, boy. The patient says to me, lawyer tells me I have great damages. <laughs> Yeah. Well, 
so there's there's a little bit less value now to that one. Oh, yeah, I mean, these are things that come up. You can't truth stranger than fiction, right? So once it's I true. get them in, you know, my paralegal reviews them, I review them, and you know, obviously, look, when we we're preparing discovery responses, we need to exchange these medical records because the defense lawyers look at them just like we do. So we index them, we bait stamp them, we find what's pertinent, we exchange that, we exchange the entire record, and look. Hopefully there's nothing too damaging in there, but look, the truth will set you free, right? You can't, you can't argue, very rarely can you argue that something happened in those medical records that wasn't true. So the way you prepare yourself is you read them and you discover things. And when you discover things, you, you use what you discover to help build your case or help discredit their case. And that's, the medical records are there for that very reason. Well, that's true. I, I People ask me if, if I work for defense or if I work for plaintiffs, but the records say exactly what they say. So that's I just tell the truth about what they say, whether you're plaintiff or defense. You may swing that wherever you need to to get your case, but they the records say exactly what they said. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the art of advocacy and interpreting a medical record comes you know, there, as much as medicine is science, there's also some art there, right? I think interpreting films, I think doctors' observations particularly, there are things in there that, that are really subjective. They're not purely objective. And being able to separate the wheat from the chaff, I think particularly in objectivity versus subjectivity, is incredibly important in the art of advocacy. And I think that working with experts, particularly good ones, that really can make the difference between, you know, a trial win and a trial loss. All right. Well, that sounds reasonable. I do my job and then you do yours. <laughs> well, you, do, you doing your job makes me able to do mine. Excellent. Well, good. I Good. We're a, we'll be a good team. And that's <laughs> it. I wouldn't have come on if I didn't respect your competency, Lisa. Oh. I mean, look, and let me just say it for the record. If you need a nurse consultant, you cannot do better in the Northeast than Lisa Wade. Oh. So, look. Mark my words, anyone that's listening, anyone that's watching, anyone that's watching the recording, should you need a nursing home expert? Should you need a nursing practices expert? If you don't hire Lisa Wade, you're doing your client a disservice. Well, thank you kindly. <laughs> that is most appreciated. I call it like I see it. If you're bad, I would have said that too, Lisa. <laughs> well, that's, you have to say the truth. What <laughs> can I say? Yes, it is. All right. Now, Tell me a little bit about, because I know you dive into these records. What do you find that is the most frustrating for you? And do you have a pet peeve when it comes to reviewing these records? Yeah. So, I mean, look, and I, first of all, I just want to say, I think that the medical professionals in our country do a great job. I think that they're confronted with mountains of legislation and statutes and regulations that make their lives incredibly difficult. And I think that particularly during the pandemic and also before and since, they really have stepped up and done the first line of this thing. And I have nothing but respect and profound admiration for the medical professionals in our country. Um, with that said, getting the medical records is always um, a bit of an adventure, right? And, you know, they had uh, Congress passed the High Tech Act, which should have simplified it. But unfortunately, the third parties are exempt. And all the hospitals realize the third parties are exempt from the High Tech Act. So getting the records is the first big hurdle, right? So the first problem is you got to get the records. And then you get into legislation, the EMR requirements. Most hospital systems have different EMRs. So you got to dig through the EMRs. And what honestly looks like it should be five pages is 130. 
So you got to spend the time to dig through it. You got to find out what you don't have. You got to find out what you do. If there's something that looks a little bit unusual, then you need to get the audit trail, right? And that's something, I mean, look, like, I think particularly in this day and age, not everyone, unfortunately, knows that. And, you know, but if there's something that comes up in a medical record that kind of makes you go, huh, this doesn't quite add up, you got to get that audit trail, right? If there's something your client swears never happened that magically shows up in a medical record, there's going to be an audit trail. And, you know, finding that audit trail can be the difference between a win and a loss in the case. And I can I can tell you a couple stories where the audit trail showed some very interesting things, right? The the You can't get the records and all of a sudden, you know, they dock it in the system that there's a medical request. And then lo and behold, eight months after treatment, for some reason, something shows up on the audit trail. And that medical record just looks flawless. Flawless. <laughs> and you wonder, and you know, they never admit it, but You've had these depositions. You're, you're sitting there grilling the provider about the audit trail. They deny it up and down, and three days later, you get a call. Oh, maybe we should mediate this. It's, so, look, I think, look, most of the time, 95 97% of the time, you look at the record, you can recreate forensically what happened. And part of that is making sure you have the entire medical record. Part of it is making sure you have a good expert, because as a lawyer, we know just enough medicine to get our butts kicked. But that's why you work with the experts. You get a good expert, they're going to say, here's what happened. Here's where the liability lays. Here's where the liability doesn't lay, and here's why. And you know what? You lay that money up front. You spend that extra time up front. By the time you want to file that lawsuit, you are ready. You have an expert. You know what happened. You know your case. And those are also the cases you're going to make the most money on. The ones where you shoot first and ask questions later, that's when you end up in trouble. So the biggest pet peeve with medical records is getting them, right? The next biggest pet peeve is interpreting them, which is where experts like Miss Lisa Wade come in. And then after that, it's trying to, particularly with complex cases, boil down the concept, the complex concepts of medicine into digestible, simple terms where someone without medical training um, can understand and easily digest. But that, again, that's the art of lawyering to a large extent. Oh, man, you are full of wonderful information, good insights, and good advice. So tell, tell my clients, look, tell other lawyers, look, and I'm, I, I take referrals, obviously. Look, like, if you're watching this, you're like, you know, I got this complex PI case looking for a lawyer to refer it to. Look, there are a lot of great lawyers, but I'm here. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let me see, because you've given a lot of good information. Is there any more? knowledge nuggets that you have on hand advice for newbie attorneys like uh, like you or veteran attorneys like you rather uh any more information that you have for them well first off veteran i think there's some real seasoned lawyers with way more gray hair than me so first off yeah i'm only starting to go i don't know is it showing up it's just a little gray up here no, right it looks good <laughs> You distinguished but not old, right? Like I'm getting there. Like I just hit 40 this year, actually. So it's ah, good. So my um the first thing I'd say is never think you've learned you've seen it all in a record when you've only read it once. Right? I think it's like watching a TV series, you've seen new things every time. I had a trial in Staten Island. I was maybe like my fourth year of practice, where you know, they're only extra. We had an orthopedist and a neurologist. And their only expert that they called was a radiologist. And the radiologist, you know, I kept reading, he did a film read, and he said, I agree with the interpreting radiologist 
I can't visualize a tear. And it was a knee scope. It was a meniscus tear with surgery. He says, there's no tear visualized on this MRI. That's what their radiologic expert says. I said, geez, that's a problem for us. And so I went back and looked at the, the interpreting radiologist report. And he said, no tears visualized. Motion artifact affects the stuff, right? And I had no idea what that meant, right? So I got to go. This is back when there are still, you know, medical textbooks in the firm's law library. I go, I look up motion artifact. It means they were moving so they couldn't properly visualize the anatomy. And the defense lawyer gets up there. She didn't realize it. She gets up and elicits the testimony and says, well, did you, you did you interpret this uh, film? And he goes, yes. And did you look at the interpreting radiologist report? Yes, I did. Do you have an opinion? I agree with the interpreting radiologist. There was no tear visualized. So, you know, I get up on cross. I say, you agree with the interpreting radiologist? He goes, yeah. I go, you agree with every part of that report? He says, yeah. I go, well, what's motion artifact? He goes, what do you mean motion artifact? Just tell me what motion artifact is. He goes, well, it means you can't visualize the anatomy. Goes, so just out of curiosity, why don't you assume that there's a study with motion artifact on it? Is that of any diagnostic value? He goes, no, you got to redo the study. So why don't you read the findings of this report one more time out loud? Oh, well, there may no, I didn't see any motion artifact. You know, the jury's sitting there like, oh, there we are. Right, and as, you know, as a 28-year-old lawyer in a tough venue, that got the case. Right, and I saw, I must have looked at those records 10 times, but the night before I'm crossing it, I saw something I didn't see. So for young lawyers, don't ever think that you know it all. Look over it, look over it, look over it. And if you see something you don't know, like Google's got the answers, right? It's like somebody said to me, the Library of Alexander was created on Wikipedia because nerds feel the need to correct each other. It's true. Do you know how much information is on Wikipedia? You Google something, you get the answers now. Google motion artifact. You know, you know as much as a first-year med student just by Google. It's great. Um, the second thing is always, particularly when you find yourself in a tough trial, a tough trial where something's in the medical records that's a dag, right? Something that just causes a problem for you. Note who put it in and the time it was put in. Because EMRs need to record that, right? And I said, I talked about the audit trail, but if you don't catch it early on, you don't peel off the audit trail, you're not going to have it. But anytime a medical record's amended in most hospital systems or added, it puts the time and date that the notes put in. So you know this. So I had a case in federal court and had nothing to do with the doctor, but you know, the there was a big, big dispute about what had happened that led to the lawsuit. The NYPD said one thing, my client said something else, and there was a doctor's note that said, Two brothers got in a fight because a dog ate heroin. The one brother broke the other's nose. And, you know, then he ended up here. Obviously, my client, there were other things going on. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the NYPD said, look, you know, the doctor said it. It must have been true. Lo and behold, the guy had been released from the hospital 10 days early. And magically, for some unexplained reason, that note got put in 10 days after discharge. 10 days after discharge. So I asked the doctor when he's on the stand. I said, Look, by custom and practice or your notes entered before these people leave, he goes, oh, under no circumstances would it be more than two hours after someone's discharge would I enter a note. He said, that's great, doctor. Why did it take you 10 days? He looks at the note and goes, I, I don't know. You don't know. You just testified the same day. He goes, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. And you know what? And we, we, you know, that was a turning point in that case because, you know, unfortunately, the city attorneys thought they had it because of that note. And that the explanation for the note was so insufficient, the jury really had to consider the evidence without that sort of 
what the city deemed, you know, incredibly highly probative piece of evidence because that piece of evidence was effectively eviscerated. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, don't think you've seen it all once. I picked that one up two days before the cross exam. I had a case for four years before. Mm -mm. Well, definitely uh, that required a meticulous review of the records. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, and this is not a pitch for Lisa Wade, but my expert was the one that caught it. Ah. My expert said, why is this at this time? He's out of the hospital for 10 days. What do you mean? He goes, here's the date of discharge. Here's the date of note. And I was like, huh, look at that. Mm. And that's the thing. I'm like, why? I don't mean to beat this drum again and again, but every successful trial where, and I, you know, I like to think I've had a couple of successes in the courtroom. You work with an expert for a reason. They're the experts. They're the ones, not only do they educate the jury, they can educate you too, right? And it's someone that reads medical records and works with medical records is going to see things you aren't going to see. So rely on your experts to tell you things you might not know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is wonderful advice. <laughs> I think that it really is good advice. And you're full of it, definitely. And oh, now, <laughs> now's the time in our program where it's time for a little Q&A with you, Adam. Is, are, is that something you're ready for? Hit me. All right. So everybody that's out there, if you're catching us live, you are going to get your questions together for Adam. Get ready to put them into the comments section so he can answer them. But while you're doing that, it's time for what I call a sponsor break. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we do here at Wade Nurse Consultants. And then we'll get right back to Adam. All right. Now, without a review and summary of the medical records, it could be harder for you personal injury or medical malpractice attorneys to know if you should take that case. And here at Wade Nurse Consultants, we give attorneys a one to two page synopsis and opinion regarding the merits of their medical cases by using my 30 plus years of nursing experience to make quick work of those medical case screenings. So. If you're watching this and you have a severe backlog of medical case screenings, please, this is what you need to do. We are right now are having are offering a free 20-minute medical record strategy call to help you hone an efficient, timely, and cost-effective routine around your medical cases. And you'll find inside the box, the description box of this YouTube channel, the link to schedule a call and schedule a consultation for that medical record strategy call. And now it is time to get back to Adam for a little Q&A. Let's check check and see. Do we have any questions right now? No, Adam. But that happens sometimes. (laughs) It happens. It happens. And this is how we deal with it. Uh, a lot of people catch on the replay. Oh, oh we ha- well, we have one person. We have one response, not a question so much, from our resident viewer, Stephen Haber Esquire. He says, a great job. Great job for you. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Haber. Do you know? Well, Stephen's from New York. Maybe, maybe you'll know him or you'll get to know him. So uh, thanks, Stephen, for watching. And uh, now, since we don't have any big questions right this moment, 
What I usually do is put your contact information inside the description box of this YouTube channel. So when people are catching on the replay, they can grab your contact information and then send their questions directly to you. Does that sound like a plan, Adam? Sounds great to me. Feel free to put it in there. And of course, you know, if anyone wants to discuss their case or any attorney is something they may want to refer out or just bounce some ideas off. I'm always here. All right. Well, let me let me pop this in here right now. I'm going to put your email right in the chat right now so they can reach out to you. Boom. Almost. It's a short boom, a quick boom. Right? Yeah. There you go. All right. So it looks like we're winding down right now, Adam, and uh, people are, will have your contact information to reach out to you and ask you questions. But I have one more question for you. Shoot. Will you do this again? Anytime. You kidding me? Anytime I get to spend with you is a good time. Is a good time. And look, I just want to say thanks again to Lisa Wade and uh, Legal Wade, Nor- uh, Wade Nurse Consultants. Again, you can't do better in this business than Lisa Wade. And I, I got to tell you, it was, a, it was a really great time. I'm honored you had me as a guest. And should your fans demand it, I, I suppose I might be able to make a reappearance. Wonderful. Well, we will be inviting you back again. That's for sure. So now we're going to wind up. We're just going to remind people that are watching, like this show, subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you have any legal nurse consulting questions that come up, visit me at Lisa at WadeNurseConsultants.com. But we thank Adam again for being with us. And we tell you to catch us next week, Monday, 5.15 p.m., Eastern Standard Time for a brand new episode of Should You Take That Case? And we'll see you later. Thanks again, Lisa. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Should You Take That Case with your host, Lisa Wade, your friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant, owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, and creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. The goal of our show is to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medical cases by sharing their experiences and insights as defense or as plaintiff attorneys. You can catch prior episodes at www.wadenurseconsultants.com slash blog, on LinkedIn, and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel and sharing this show with others. 